It's Friday, May 12th, 2023, and this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. I'm Adam B. Levine, here again with your daily news roundup. On today's show, we're talking Bitcoin, more regulatory nonsense, the latest headlines, and more. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Bitcoin, Ether, and most other top-traded tokens are down and markets showing mostly red. Bitcoin continues to lose ground in the wake of the Coindesk Bitcoin trend indicator shedding the bullish bias for the first time in three weeks. The top cryptocurrency by market value fell as low as $26,160 per token, reaching its lowest price since March 17th, according to Coindesk data. Prices are also notably continuing to diverge from traditional risk assets like the Nasdaq. The Bitcoin trend, or BTI indicator as it's known, which measures the directional momentum and strength of Bitcoin's price, flipped from bullish to neutral yesterday. The indicator had consistently signaled an uptrend since January 13th, barring a brief red flash, which is a downtrend signal, back in mid-March, and a neutral reading on April 24th. According to Matthew Dibb, chief investment officer at Astronaut Capital, low liquidity seems to have helped a few sellers drive prices lower. Quote, there seems to be paper-thin liquidity right now, even across majors such as Bitcoin. While we can't point to a direct reason for the weakness, any medium to large offers are driving the market down. End quote liquidity or market depth has recently worsened on major exchanges, including Binance, making it difficult for traders to execute large orders without pushing prices up or down more than they typically would. According to Dick Lowe, the founder and CEO of quant-driven crypto trading firm TDX Strategies, the downside move may gather pace if traditional risk assets turn lower. Quote, we could get an acceleration on the downside if U.S. equities also start to roll over. Lowe told Coindesk, continuing, $25,200 is key support for Bitcoin, followed by $23,100 on potential downside acceleration, end quote. Lowe added that the bearish bias would be invalidated if prices rise back above $28,500. As analysts warned last week, Bitcoin's drop to two-month lows has indeed confirmed a head-and-shoulders bearish reversal pattern on technical charts. The breakdown has opened the door for a deeper slide towards that support around $25,000, so we'll see what happens. Meanwhile, top-performing traders have increasingly been reducing their Pepe coin holdings, a sign that the latest episode of bewildering meme coin mania of the past weeks may be losing steam. Data by crypto intelligence firm Nansen shows that so-called smart money wallets, those are crypto accounts of individual traders or institutions who are known for their profitable moves, have decreased their Pepe stash by $3 million in just the last 24 hours, data shows. The total amount of Pepe held by smart money has almost halved since late April, according to Nansen. Also according to the data, the total amount of Pepe held by the so-called smart monies have almost halved since late April. Pepe, which is the latest token based on the Pepe the Frog meme, has skyrocketed in popularity since it debuted about a month ago, attracting a swarm of traders to gamble on its price. And again, let's be clear, it's gambling. You can have fun, but it's gambling. However, the token's price has dropped some 66% since hitting an all-time high on May 5th with its market cap falling below $600 million, according to CoinMarketCap, from a high of $1.8 billion. One example of an early investor appearing to ditch Pepe is pseudonymous crypto trader VXV.ETH. The wallet has accumulated some 1.3 trillion tokens since its initial purchase on April 17th, again according to Nansen data. Early Thursday, that account transferred its Pepe stash worth $2.1 million at the time to crypto exchanges Gemini and Uniswap, completely exiting its position. Today's crypto coverage comes courtesy of Coindesk Markets Analysts. I'm Carl Goodblay, Sam Reynolds, James Rubin, and Glenn Williams. Bitcoin is currently trading at $26,403. That's down about 3.5% since our show yesterday, while Ether is trading at $1,770 per token. That's down 2.5% over the same time period, according to the Coindesk Market Index. 
And speaking of the Coindesk Market Index, we're looking at an absolute reading this morning of 1,164. That compares against yesterday's reading of 1,197 and represents a 2.76% loss across top traded tokens on the day. Now, as we get into today's traditional market segment, we are adding a new indicator to watch that will be changing up from time to time. Notably, we'll be bringing you the daily share price of whichever bank or banks are perceived by markets as being on the brink, which would make them the next potential casualties of the monetary policy and banking crisis. At least for the moment, that bank is First Republic, trading under the ticker symbol FRCB on U.S. OTC markets. To set the stage, over the last year, a single share in this bank traded as high as $171.09. That's the 52-week high. In February of this year, just a few months ago, the price was more than $143 per share. Today, as markets open, the share price is $0.42 per share. So when I tell you that the stock is down 10% since yesterday, I want you to understand that at this point, the equity has already lost much more than 99% of its value and either represents one of the absolute best deals out there were it to ever return to its prior range or more likely is a dead bank walking. We'll bring you updates on this until we know either way or I lose interest. Meanwhile, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the S&P 500, and the NASDAQ Composite each gained between a quarter and a third of a point compared to our last show. In Europe, the stock's 600 rose more than half a point, London's FTSE 100 was up nearly three quarters of a percent, and the DAX traded just above neutral. Continuing to the east, China's Shanghai Composite down 1.1%, and the Hang Seng Index down more than half a point basically repeated yesterday's action. Japan's Nikkei 225 in contrast reversed course and saw more than one and a quarter points of gain on the day. Key commodities were slightly lower, with the global benchmark for oil dropping a fifth of a percent to $75.40 per barrel, while gold saw a larger decline, down about half a percent, and currently changing hands at $2,023 per troy ounce. Today's traditional markets update draws from MarketWatch. Stay tuned for After the Break. We'll dig into some top headlines. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, Adrian Doc Plus here. Firstly, thank you for listening and for leaving your reviews. We see you. If you're listening on Spotify by chance, some of you noticed that you can reply a comment on every individual episode. So if you have any feedback, questions, or want to share what you think about a particular episode, just click on the episode on Spotify and hit reply under the Q&A section. You'll find me there. We want to hear your questions and get you all involved. I'll comb through the replies and bring up any questions we see fit on the show. So it'd be great to hear from you. And thank you again for listening. Union plans to force crypto companies to give tax authorities details on their clients' holdings, according to a draft bill released to Coindesk under freedom of information laws, which is always a great way to get things. The data-sharing law, based on a model from the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, or OECD, is set to be agreed by finance ministers next week and will allow tax authorities to share data within the 27-nation bloc. But that's not all. Controversially, the law still includes platforms for trading non-fungible tokens that can be used for payment or investment, which basically means non-fungible tokens in general, and providers from outside Europe that have customers based in their region, which foreshadows potential problems for smaller projects and those that don't conform to the standard corporate structure. Coindesk's Jack Schickler has more on this one. Meanwhile, crypto insiders are tying themselves to Coinbase as the company seeks to blow up the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission's come-in-and-register so-called crusade aimed at the digital asset sector. In a series of amicus briefs filed this week, several crypto groups are joining the U.S.-based exchange as they collectively insist that the SEC is deliberately wrecking the young industry, with an insistence that there's nothing distinct or special about crypto that warrants different treatment under securities law. 
The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit granted the various groups' petition to join the case on Thursday. Quote, the digital asset industry is stuck in limbo, simultaneously told to come in and register, yet having no effective means to do so, said a brief from Paradigm, a firm that invests in digital asset businesses. Continuing, it's no surprise that the SEC's actions have crippled a nascent industry and sown confusion among countless firms unable to conform to the SEC's views of the law or challenge that view in court, end quote. The filings, a means by which outside parties can offer support for legal arguments, are piling up after Coinbase requested courts require the SEC to respond to an earlier 2022 petition that the agency provide rules clarifying crypto's place in securities regulation. While SEC Chair Gary Gensler has made it clear that the agency has no intention of tailoring specific rules for crypto, the regulator now has to respond by May 13th, which is tomorrow, in the legal dispute. The legal fight between the SEC and Coinbase, arguably the most aggressive of the regulators waging war in the crypto space, may soon be amplified. The agency kicked all this off by warning Coinbase that it's going to be targeted with an enforcement action for violating securities laws. As an aside, I'd like to note that back in 2021, Gensler testified before Congress that the SEC did not have the authority to regulate cryptocurrency exchanges like Coinbase and would need Congress to grant that. You might think given two years have passed that that might not mean much, but that sort of testimony from the head of the U.S. securities regulator typically is not an off-the-cuff remark, but rather the result of internal deliberation, which leaves a paper trail at the agency and, frankly, the failure to find any plausible authority to lean on. If the SEC does bring an action against Coinbase, or if this case goes to trial, all of that could come out during discovery and would be both difficult to explain and an embarrassing no-win situation for Gensler, where it's either acknowledged that they lied under oath to Congress, or in fact already know that they don't have the authority to do exactly what they're attempting to do. So this case actually going to court is not something that I'd bet heavily on, but let's not rule out stupid. And in case you were wondering, it's not just the crypto industry who's getting tired of all these regulatory theatrics. Even the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the arguably broadest of organizations that lobby on behalf of U.S. business interests, has offered criticism for the behavior of the SEC. Quote, Nobody knows for certain which digital assets, if any, are securities under federal law, the Chamber argued in its brief. Continuing, That is no small question. It has immense implications for every person involved in the $1 trillion digital asset industry, and it is the threshold regulatory question from which all others flow. End quote. Coindesk has more on this one in the show notes. In tech... The Ethereum mainnet was unable to fully confirm transactions for about 25 minutes yesterday, with blocks getting proposed but not finalized. Users of the blockchain saw their transactions were going through, but during that brief 25-minute span, there was a risk that they could be altered because of the malfunction. After roughly 25 minutes, the mainnet was finalizing blocks again, and developers have said that they are still investigating what caused this outage. We'll let you know how that investigation goes if anything comes of it. Elsewhere, Terraform Lab founder Do Kwan is set to be released from Montenegro jail on supervised bail as his trial on document forgery charges continues, the court notice this morning showed. The court said in a statement that it had accepted a proposal by Kwan's lawyers on Thursday to pay the equivalent of $435,000 to release him from custody. Under the conditions of the bail, the defendant in the case, which is Kwan and another terror executive, will be under surveillance and be prohibited from leaving their apartment, according to the report. Frequent listeners will remember that the two were arrested by Montenegrin authorities back in March for attempting to travel with falsified documents. Both the U.S. and South Korea are fighting to extradite him to face criminal charges of the collapse of the Terraform Labs ecosystem in May of last year. But it looks like Montenegro gets the first bite at him. During the hearing, the defendants indicated that they had property worth several million and the bail would be paid by their wives. The prosecution objected to the bail proposal, saying that there's no guarantee that he's not a flight risk. Meanwhile, the two defendants, quote, promised that if bail is set, they will not hide until the end of the criminal proceedings, that they will regularly respond to court summons, and that they will be available at the address provided by their defense attorney, end quote. Juan's next date in court is set for June 16th. Parties unsatisfied with the bail decision now have three days to appeal, so we'll see how that goes. And finally, electronic... 
firm LG is seeking patent protection for a television that enables users to trade non-fungible tokens, or NFTs. The device would be able to establish a connection with an NFT market server, receive and display preview artwork, and fulfill purchases via the user's cryptocurrency wallet, which would be connected to the TV. LG began its work to bring NFTs to its TVs last September with the release of its ArtLab marketplace. The move to file for a patent suggests that the company sees ongoing consumer demand for NFTs in the future, or at least thinks it's worth filing a patent to protect just in case that's true, and sees a business case for making them more accessible. The South Korean firm is of course not the only electronics giant to have spotted an opening in NFTs on TVs. Samsung recently released an NFT marketplace on three of its TVs back in January of last year, supported by Nifty Gateway. Coindesk has more on this one in the show notes as well. And that's our show for today. Thank you very much for listening. Today's episode was edited by Ryan. And for those of you still with us, we'd love to hear what you think. You can send us an email at podcast at coindesk.com. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. And that's our show for today. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, send the show an email at podcast at coindesk.com or you can email me directly at adamlevine at coindesk.com. If you like what we're doing, we always appreciate reviews on Apple Podcasts or your preferred listening platform. This episode was produced by Adrian Blust and myself with further support from the podcast team over at coindesk.com. Have a great rest of your day and we'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Markets Daily.